Amen, amen. Bring the lights up. Hey, you're, you're good. I, I just, I'm afraid everybody's going to go to sleep. I and mean, we've had too much turkey this week. I know it's, it's just one of those things where we need as much like light. You know, let there be light. Jesus, come on. Well, I just, I, you know, I, I appreciate everybody that was praying for Alabama last night to actually have showed up. It, that was some help right there. I'm going to tell you what. You know, somebody put the prayer at Jordan Hare and God said no. <laughs> you know, I was, I was sitting there last night. I was messing with, you know, my brother-in-law and dad and my son. And we were all sitting there just talking and I thought to myself, I was like, if we come back from this, that that is it was going to be amazing, and it was beyond amazing. I I've not seen that since the kick six, and it was ten years before then, right? So, anyway, I just uh, you know I hope y'all have had a great week. I know being Thanksgiving week, um, I know for some of y'all that that knew uh, you know Robert Williams, uh, we laid him to the rest on Monday, so it was. It's been it's been an emotional week, but it's been a good week. And I, you know, one of the things I want everybody to understand is that around this time of the year, you know, Heather said it. I thought she was going to preach my message for a second, but the Lord's put it on my heart really hard this last week is that we should worry not. And one of the the things about worrying not is that it comes from the teachings that I was doing before. Uh, before Thanksgiving was that whatever we put our mind on, whatever things that we're, that we're going through this process in life, that we can either speak life or we can speak death. And one of the, one of the main focuses that I've been trying to do this past year, because things are changing. I mean, you know, for good, things are changing. We've got some other things that may not be as good. I mean, I, Look, you can go around, you can find everybody, and you can ask them how's things going. And you're going to find the people that are half full and the people who are half empty, right? And they're always going to find a way to say, well, I'm either having a positive thing or I'm having a negative thing. But I also look at it from the perspective of as we're living life, we're going to have some victories and we're going to have some losses. You know, a couple of victories that I'm having is, you know, my, I got my son-in-law and my daughter, and they got married a year ago almost, you know, in, in October. But, you know, there's a sad part of that, too. Well, my daughter no longer lives in my house. And everybody can get weepy about that. And, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas, they don't live here. Well, you know, the thing that the Lord put on my heart back when she got married was I said, I'm excited. I'm excited because eventually they're going to give me grandbabies and then they're going to be at my house, right? You know, my son, he's a senior in high school. And, you know, I've had people go, well, isn't it going to be hard when he goes off to college? And you know what's funny about this is the fact that there was a couple of days there I was like, golly, he's going to be gone. But you know that the last probably week, I've just been sitting here because we've been trying to get his housing stuff for Alabama, you know, set up. You know, I'm actually looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to being the father of somebody who is growing up and having to deal with life. 
I'm also going to enjoy being an empty nester a little bit. I get to go and do whatever I want to. I'm not having to sit there and go, son, where are you going to be? What are you going to be doing? I mean, he'll be 18. He'll be an adult. You know, there's a lot of things I can be thankful for, and there's a lot of things I can be worried about. But, you know, the Bible continuously tells us to care not, to worry not. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But we're going to get there here in just a minute. But I want to start with a couple of things. And I'm going to start with some stuff because there, some, some of you ladies, this is not an attack. We're not going to talk about submission from the perspective of you guys have to submit. But we do need to talk about submission. Because you can't have comfort without having order. In fact, we're going to start here. Submission is how we get in line with God's plan and His purpose. So it's a good thing to submit, right? So we're going to start in 1 Peter 5, 5, and it says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Those are the people that are the senior of you. How about this? These are people who actually went through it. They've actually lived a little bit of life. They actually know what they're talking about, right? You know, you don't go find a drunk and ask him how you stop being an alcoholic, right? Because they don't know. But you might go and find somebody who says, hey, this is the way that you do it. I haven't been an alcoholic. I, I've, I've basically kicked that or whatever. And this is how I did it. You know, one of the things that I always find it to be very interesting is when, is when young people especially... Go and ask other young people what they should be doing with their life. How many people when you were young, and I've got, I've got a lot of people who are way, that are like me, they're way beyond the young stage, right? How many people when you were young, you knew what you were going to do? Anybody? There's no hands. Uh-oh, there's a hand. But let me ask you a question. Did it turn out exactly the way that you thought? Absolutely not. There's a head nod. Nope. You know why? Because we don't know. We have no clue. So we need to do something that is called being submissive. And I'm going to give you the definition of hypostasis. And there's a lot of different language, especially in the Greek, about being put under, being subdued, all this other stuff. You know, but this is, this is literally word for word out of the, the Greek dictionary. And it says to subdue or put in order. And there's actually a, a term here in the military term. It says arrange to help carry the burden. Now, I want you to understand something. Submission means that we're going to put ourselves in a place where we can get help to carry our burdens. Now, how many people thought when I said submission a few minutes ago, and everybody's going to raise their hand because I don't want y'all lying in church, that I was going to talk about, well, you know, whatever the husband says, you know, whatever your daddy says, that's what you're supposed to do. But see, this is the problem, is that typically we don't understand what God wants from us when we submit. He wants us to be in a place to where we can actually carry each other's burdens better. And by the way, it says submit yourselves. It doesn't say be under somebody's submission. 
see, by the way, if you go read Ephesians chapter 5, where it talks about, you know, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands. Do you know that Heather's not in here right now, but I couldn't live if Heather didn't submit under me. You know why? Because I don't know how to carry my own burdens. I hope y'all understood what I just said about that. See, she is playing the part of not just a helper, but she's the order and organizer of my life. If you don't get that, then you're not going to be blessed today. I'm just going to tell you straight up. Because wives, submit yourself. That means that yourself, because this is your part, this is where you're supposed to be, you are helping to make sure that there is order in your husband's life. There should have been some amens, some shouting. Hallelujah! Do you know that this is the problem that we have in our lives is that we think submission is something that, well, I'm being oppressed. Golly, why, why do I have to submit to Dusty? He's the pastor. Well, all I'm asking you to do is to just have order. You know, if the church is in need of something and you have the ability to make it in order, I'd like for you to submit to it. Because I, Dusty does a lot of things where I'm sitting there going, I don't have the time. I don't have the, the ability. You know, the, the, the heat's out today. Y'all are probably a little chilly this morning. Well, it worked last week. And I didn't come and turn it on yesterday. Well, the thing is, is that I spent most of my morning running around calling people and saying, when can I get somebody out here? Well, it's going to be tomorrow, okay? Well, you know, all of that being said, I was having to put myself in a place to try to have order for church. I was submitting to y'all. Do you know that in everything that we do, when we submit ourselves to our elders to people that are around us that have lived this kind of life, then what we're doing is we're saying, how do I order myself better? How do I help order other people better? Because there's a clarifying statement that is being said here from Peter. And it says, it says, submit yourselves unto your elders. But then he says, yes, all of you be submissive, which is the same word, hypostasis, to one another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. See, what I want you to understand here is that he clarified it even more. If you've got other people that can help order your life, that, can, that you can help order theirs, then we need to submit to everybody. We need to be able to have the ability, if I have a gift, if I've been through something, if I know something, then you should be able to call me. And guess what? I should be able to call you. We should be submissive to each other so that we can put each other's life in order. Amen? See, we need to understand this because if we don't, then what we're going to do is we're only going to get half the blessing. We're going to get Jesus sending us to heaven one day. And then we're going to get to heaven and he's going to go, well, you know, I prayed about all kinds of stuff and you didn't send the, you didn't give me this money and you didn't give me this opportunity. You didn't do this and you didn't do that. And Jesus said, well, I sent Dusty and I sent Charlie and I sent Caleb and I sent Sonia. And he was like, and you did nothing with it. 
Well, I, I'm an independent person. I, I, by God, no one tells me what to do. Well, you know what? If I walked up and you said, hey, Dusty, what, you know, should I buy this car? I'm going to do you like Dave Ramsey. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, do you have enough money? <laughs> How much money do you make? How much can you afford? And if you go, well, I'm looking for a Lamborghini, you know, and I make $30,000 a year, then I'm going to say, don't do it. <laughs> and if you go, it hurt my feelings. Dusty told me I couldn't go buy my Lamborghini when I only make $30,000 a year. Well, you know how much a Lamborghini is going to cost you every single month? $30,000! A million-dollar car is going to cost you about $12,000 a month. How, how about that? How about you couldn't even pay three months of it? See, this is the problem that we have, is that we need people that are sound of mind. Because if I go to a teenager, they're going to go, get that car and keep it until they take it away from you. <laughs> Sounds great, right? But see, no one thinks about five years, seven years, 10 years, 20 years down the road. You know, I've been working in the same company for almost 25 years. 26 if you count all of my, all of my contracted time that I had. And you know, one of the things I keep telling young people when they come to Southern Company is I say, you need to stay. Well, I could make $10,000, $15,000 more a year at my age over at this other place. And I said, do they give you a bonus? No. Do, are they going to give you any type of retirement? No. They give me a 401k. Well, do they match it up to 6%? Well, no. Hmm. You know, you can come talk to me and I can tell you about the way Southern Company works because I've been there. I've lived it. I've seen how the structure is. I've seen how it is. But you know, the thing is, is self-gratification says, well, what can I get right this second? What can I get right this minute? Well, you know, if you live your life that way, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to get exactly that and probably nothing more. Because the shiny thing usually has a nail in it. Ow, every time I touch that, I get stuck. Ah, ah, why, why is that happening? Well, it's because you went for the shiny thing. See, we need to understand that when we have humility, we're closed with it. That means we're putting it on. I don't feel like being humble every single day. So I put humility on. It's not who I am every single minute of every single day. You go, well, Dusty, aren't you saved? Aren't you just humble in Jesus? The answer is no. I know plenty of self-serving Christians that are out there that are not putting on humility. And we'll find out. Okay, being clothed here, this word I can't even say. It's a Greek word. Just under, look at it. Uh, you know, you can, if you know how to say it, good for you. But it means to put on a garment. And this is what slaves, you know, when they talked about clothing and clothing yourself was that slaves wore white scarves and aprons that signified that they were a slave. They were fashioned as belts and vests, and they distinguished them as a particular class. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think that most people who were slaves, that they were born slaves and that that was just who they were, that was their identity? 
The answer is no. Somebody impressed that on them. And see, this is one of the problems that we have is the fact that sometimes we're something else, but we're having to be something else for someone else. It's just the truth. I need to be humble sometimes. You know, the older I get, the more I listen rather than tell. And when somebody asks me a question, I think about it. And I, I ask questions more than I give opinion. Because sometimes my opinion and facts are completely opposite from each other. And see, that's the thing about life and being a, you know, being an elder is that you've had time to go through all of this. And see, that's the beauty of putting on humility is that when I want to tell them how wrong they are, I just put the humility on and I go, all right, I'm going to listen to this junk a little bit more. And you know what? Sometimes I go, I'm not getting in the middle of their mess. Oh, ho, 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 ho. do you know that it is not your job to get into other people's mess? Humility gives you the ability to go. Have you ever been sitting there and somebody's talking and a bunch of people start gathering around and you start going, I don't want to be here. You know why? Because that's the way every bad thing starts. Every bad thing starts with somebody saying something stupid and people going, yeah, or no, let's have a fight. You know, one of the problems that we have in our society is the fact that we all love to fight. You know, devil's advocate. I love that it's called devil's advocate because I believe the devil's all up in it. When you're sitting there and you look at James chapter, we were talking about this, me and my son. <clears throat> James chapter 3. James chapter 3, verse 16. It tells us that strife and contention, so both strife and contention causes confusion and every evil work. Do you know that when you have strife and contention in your life, man, you ain't going much further than where you're at. Because you got to double down, especially when you're wrong. You either have to say, I'm wrong and I'm going to change. Or I got to double down and now I got to create my own reality. How many people see a lot of their own reality, people creating their own realities? <clears throat> see, this is one of the problems that I think we have is that we're either humble or we're proud. And the people who are humble are the ones that are willing to gain help, ask for help. Receive help. How many people know that there's help out there, but we also have to receive it? It's like a football. If I threw a football to my son and he said, nope, it would just go fall off. Well, he didn't receive it, right? Because a receipt, it's like last night when Isaiah Bond caught that touchdown in the back. It was like God said, catch it, son. You know, reception means that I caught it and it gave me some points. It gave me some goodness. It gave me something that I could that I could use. Oh, come on now. It was something I could use. See, when we don't receive something, it means that we're saying, well, I'm independent. I don't need that person. You know, 
a lot of times we see the people who are independent and they're the ones that are sitting there on the side of the road. They're, you know, I, I still remember this and I used to think this and, and our, our society teaches us these things and they are stupidly wrong. That people that are on the street are there because they've had something bad happen to them and they don't, and they don't want to be there. They won't help. You know that I've walked up to more people and pulled out my wallet and said, let me go buy you something here. You know, and they go, if you're not going to give me money, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you. Well, I, I, I will give you a, a meal. I, I'll give you some shelter. I'll take you somewhere. I don't want it. You know why? Because they didn't want to receive anything from you. And see, that's the opposite of what the world tells us. Well, you know, they, they've had a bad plight and they've had all these things. Well, you could give them a job. They'll, they'll not take it. You can go do things for them and they won't take it. You can give them food. They won't eat it. You know, I went and bought this guy. Uh, I went and bought this guy. He was like uh, Burger King. And I walked up to him and he has hungry, need money for food. And I come by and I went and gave it to him. And he took that thing and he said a cuss word and he threw it in the middle of the street. Now, you may be going, well, Dusty, you're a pastor and you're telling us that we shouldn't give to the poor. Well, you know, I think you need to understand the poor are those who have humbled themselves to receive. Those that are independent and they live their lifestyle because they want to live their lifestyle that way are not poor. We have to understand the differences because we will live our life trying to give money and resources and time to people who will never be grateful, that will never do the the right things because they were never poor. They decided that they were going to do these things. All right, I'll get off that. So I want to deal with this codependence versus independent. How many people think that codependency is a bad thing? Anybody? I know this is a trick question. I'm about to get you. Codependency is the way that we were created. Now, you may be going, well, codependency for drugs? No. Codependency for, you know, uh, I've got to to live off these people over here? The answer is no. That's called being a mooch. Don't do it. But codependency means that I was created, you were created to be co-heirs with Jesus Christ. See, codependency is exactly what the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is. They are one, but they are also, they are one, but they're also three. That means that they depend on each other. Do you know that we depend on being a spirit, soul, and body? That's the image of God that has been imprinted on the inside of us. The reason why we can go is because God breathed into us the spirit of God and then Adam stepped on it and then we had a separated spirit away from God and when we got separated from God, God no longer could just connect back in because now Adam was like, well, I, you know, I ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That means that 
I get to decide what's good and what's evil. Now, the Holy Spirit wasn't a codependent partner with Adam. All right? We need to understand that about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because a lot of people go, oh, well, you know, God did not want Adam and Eve to know what was good and evil. No, no, no. It says that they know good and evil and they use it like God. See, when we go back and look at the Hebrew there, it is saying that they get to decide just like God decides what's good and evil. See, if we have no moral objectivity where there is a good and an evil, then we get to decide good and evil. And that's what happens every time we have a society that no longer actually takes in what is good and evil from God, but we create our own societal norms around what we collectively think is good and evil. Now, I want you to understand this. God's good and evil will win out no matter what. You can say something's good and God says it's evil and eventually you're going to be proved to be wrong. It's going to happen because there is destruction with evil. See, that's what a lot of people don't understand nowadays is the fact that when they decide what is good and evil, then there's a consequence that comes with their evil. And I don't want them to have the consequence. You know, I want people to understand what the consequences are. But better than that, I want them to understand that they need to be codependent with God. And they need to ask God what's good. And when God says something's good, then they change their mind. Amen? So we're, we were designed to be codependent upon God. We were designed to where we do have a free will, but our free will is to go back to God in every single circumstance. Amen? Amen. I just, so now we're going to get into the things about worrying not. But I want you to understand all this because if we don't submit to the things of God and we're not submissive to those people that are around us so that we gain some knowledge without having to actually go through the whipping post. How about that? then we are going to be in a better position. That means that we're not just codependent on God, but we're codependent on each other. And that's a good thing. Now, if you come to me and every day you go, Dusty, I need 50 bucks. Dusty, I need 50 bucks. Dusty, I need 50 bucks. Eventually, I make you more independent than codependent, okay? Because you need to start receiving and doing things for yourself. But see, that's the thing that you need to understand is that we are codependent on God. He is showing us how to do these things. So continuing the 1 Peter 5. So it says, Therefore humble yourself to have a, a modest opinion of oneself, not thinking haughty of yourself. But it says, Therefore have a modest opinion of yourself under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care on him for he cares for you. Now let me ask you a question. I've had my children under my hand. Like Kaylee lived under my house for 20 years. Okay? And so dad was the hand that said, hey, let's, let's hold up here. Now I'll tell you, Kaylee told me this not too long ago. She said that every time I think of doing something, I can hear your voice. I know what you would say about me doing that. 
Do you know that that's the beauty of the hand of God from your father, but not just your, fa- your earthly father, but your heavenly father, is because that when you have a good, good father, then he's, he's saying, hold on. You got to learn some stuff before you can take this on. You know, I, I, was, uh, <coughs> I was thinking about this the other day. You know, I, I was an electrician's apprentice. I did all these other things. And <clears throat> I guess it was like a year and a half, two years ago, I was replacing all the lights in here. And there was a, an older gentleman that, that was helping me and my dad in here. Well, I threw my back out and they were both fine. Okay? Now, you know why? Because I sit in a chair eight hours a day in front of a computer. Well, the man that was doing this, he's an electrician. He does this for a living. And I was talking to my chiropractor. My chiropractor said, well, if you did this every single day, you could do it until you're 90 years old and you would still be able to do it. But you haven't trained your back to be able to handle that. You've trained your back to go sit your butt in a seat. (laughs) Well, that's a problem, okay? I understand But we have to understand that if we've not been trained, then we have to have somebody help train us. So when God himself is going to exalt us, he's going to be like, you're ready. You're ready to take on this next thing. You know why? Because it says right here, casting all your care, casting all the worries, casting all the things upon him, because you need to be, you need to actually be able to express yourself. You know, I, I was I was in the Word of Faith circles. Word of Faith circles said you speak nothing but goodness about your situation. Everybody, well, I'm gonna tell you, I got a hold of some grace too, and I realized there was a gift in me being able to express myself to other people. And when I express myself to other people, and I I express, you know, I'm a little bit worried about this. That's not standing outside of faith. That's not standing outside of these things. That's letting my father know, hey, there's a problem here. I don't feel like I'm ready. I don't feel like that I've gotten what I need. And the father goes, well, this is what you need to do. See, that's the beauty about having the eldership and having your father, your heavenly father, be the person that is going to exalt you is that he's going to let you know when it's time. See, that was exactly what happened when the Lord started calling me away from VCF, Victor Christian Fellowship. And I knew that I was supposed to go to Karis Bible College. I knew I was supposed to go and start doing ministry. Is that he started opening up opportunities. And I went to Jacksonville and, and I got a hold of, man, there was a lot of things that I learned there. And then by the time I got done with that, I was, God was exalting me to go and help start Life of Faith North. We went to Life of Faith uh, for for several years, you know, for about a year, and then we started Life of Faith North. Well, there was a lot of things I learned there. And then God said, hey, you're going to start this church down here. Well, you know, I was talking to everybody Monday when we did the funeral. And, you know, I wasn't nervous. I didn't have any problems with that. You know, if you went and talked to me five years ago, I'd have been like sweating and like, oh my God, what am I going to say? How am I going to comfort these people? You know that God exalts us and puts us in a place that we can handle when we're ready. Man, I felt ready. I stood there with the family. I was able to talk to them. I was able to show them things in the word. I was able to, 
to help bring some comfort. You know that all of that was because I decided that I was going to humble myself and let God teach me some stuff and let other people that were my mentors teach me things. All right. Verse 8, it says, Be sober. Don't drink. No, it, also, be sober of mind. Be vigilant. It means you need to continue on. Do things that, hey, if you, if you get a no, keep moving. You know, there's a lot of things in my life I was told no about. I mean, I got engineering jobs without having a degree. Now, I got my, I got my bachelor's and my master's degree later on in life. But I took on jobs and did things because people would say no. And I go, well, I'll try it over here. And they said no. And I'll try it over here. And I said no. And I tried it over here. And I just kept going until somebody said, okay. You know what? And then I had to humble myself. I don't know everything. Well, let me, let me go hang out with the people who do know. And it says right here, be, be sober means to keep your mind alert. Be vigilant. Don't take the no for an answer because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion. It means he's not a roaring lion. It means that he's like one. He's got the big mouth. And it says seeking whom he may devour. How does Satan devour people? He puts cares on you. He puts worries on you. He gets you to the point to where you stop yourself because you're so worried. Hey, you know, one of the things everybody, and I've had, I've seen all these things on YouTube about, you know, when Jesus was in the 40 days and 40 nights that he had, that he had not eaten and, and Satan takes him out and he puts him on top of the mountain and he's looking down on the world and he said, see all these kingdoms, they're mine to give unto you. Well, there was all these people that was saying, well, God owns all the kingdoms. No, he didn't. God gave them over to man. I mean, go back and read Genesis chapter 1 because if you don't understand Genesis chapter 1, you think God's a puppet master who is just making all this stuff happen. No. You know, if Satan can get you to do something and then he can get a bunch of other people to do the same thing, then he owns that group. And then if he can continue to do that, then he owns a city. And then he owns a country. And then he owns the world. Well, you know what? That's what's happening is the world system has been owned for a long time. I mean, just go turn on the news. Well, don't do that. Okay. That's a bad idea. Okay. But if you did turn on the news and you were listening to the bull that was coming out of their mouth, it is Satan's words that are coming out. And you go, well, does God not have a foothold? Oh, absolutely. It's called me and you. We got saved. In fact, I love it, you know, when Daniel, when he, and man, I'm, I don't know if I can teach all this, but Daniel goes and he's got the statue that's the, the golden head and it goes down to the iron and it goes all the way down to the clay feet. And then the rock comes out of space and it just like bursts the whole thing, right? And then it says that there are, there will be kingdoms, multiple kingdoms, that the world will not be able to overtake. Those kingdoms, there's every single one of you as a kingdom. If you do away with me, there's a kingdom. If you do away with, with her, there's a kingdom. If you do away with her, there's a kingdom. And it keeps going. We, we don't have a group of people like Israel anymore. 
which was a people of God, individually we are kingdoms that can change the world. Amen? Amen. Now it says, resist him, talking about Satan, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering, the afflictions are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Man, that sounds really nice, right? You know that everybody in, in the world's being getting their brains kicked in. That just makes you feel good, right? No, that's not what this means. It means that other people, because you're taking the context of all of the words that are here, right? There are other people that have went through the same thing in the brotherhood. So take comfort that there's somebody that can help you. Take comfort that the Holy Spirit can help you. Take comfort that you're gonna that God's gonna send people to show you what to do. Don't just go, well, I just I'm comforted because everybody else is getting tore up just like I am. Well, then if that's the case, you're not gonna take help when it comes at you. And see, this is what we need to understand is that the afflictions that we have, the suffering, the things that we're looking at in our world, there are people out there that are like, I can help you out of this. I can help you to get past this. Hey, God has sent plenty of people to come help me out of my mire. And you know what? You know what helped is when I said, yes, help me. And it says right here, Verse 10, it says, but may the God of all grace. This word is charis. Hey, I went to the Bible college called charis. It means good gifts and favor. Do you know that, that when we have good gifts and favor, it means that we've got things that we didn't have that we earned on our own. See, charis is the ability for us to do things with things and buy things that we didn't earn. Now, I've got a I got a car out there and I'm earning money and I'm paying for that car. Well, you know what? That's not Karis. That's not a good gift. No one gave that to me. I went and bought that. And by God, I'm having to pay for it every single month. All right. But see, a good gift would be like, you know, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden my mom and dad, they bought me, you know, a, a phone or they bought me something. You know, my mom helped buy the iPad that I use up here. You know that all of that stuff was a gift. It was a good gift. It was favor. It was the thing that I use in order to propagate where I'm going. Do you know that that's a gift? That's not something I earned. Well, see, God has constantly given us gifts that we did not earn, that we don't understand. And that all we have to do is go, yeah, yeah, I'm going to use it. And it says right here, it says that... Um, but may the God of all grace, the one who gives good gifts, who called, his, called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered. This, is, this word's a little bit different than the other word, but it's a, uh, a sensation or impression of pain, painful or passion. So whenever we went through this, this sort of feeling that we have that something is painful, you know that a lot of times we stop doing things just because we don't feel good. See, that's what this is trying to imply is that we do things all the time because of our five senses. That's our flesh, right? Our flesh is what we see, hear, taste, smell, and feel. All five of those things, right? When we see something we don't like, how many people go, well, I'm not reading that book because I don't like the cover. How about this? 
How about, well, I heard the way he talks and he sounds like a country bumpkin. I'm not going to listen to him. Well, you know what? Then you won't receive from anybody who doesn't sound or, or act the way that you think that they should sound or act. Do you know that there are plenty of times in my life that I receive things from people that I wouldn't have ever hung out for with? I mean, you're like, wow. And God just used them in amazing ways. And you know why? It's because God can use anybody. God can use anybody. Amen? And it says right here, and it says, um, after you have had this sensation, this impression of a pain a while, <clears throat> perfect, established, strengthened, and settles you, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. You know that means you're hardened? It means you can walk in and people just go, man, look at him. He's done some stuff. You know, I, I, I think about celebrities nowadays. Most of them have done nothing other than they just let the world just use them. You know, we need to start, we need to start having a reference for people who have done some stuff in their life. And I think that's where we have a problem in America. I went to South America and went to, you know, went to Costa Rica and you would be uh, doing ministry and people because you were out there doing ministry would have a reference for you. And you may go, well, Dusty, you don't want people to just look at you and be like, wow, look at how awesome Dusty is. The answer is no. But if I've got something to say to you or if somebody else has something to say and you're doing something, what I realized is that they received five times faster than everybody else that I've ever seen. You know that most people in America, they come in, they see a place and they go, oh, I like the lights. I like the smoke machines. I like the, oh, we got Christmas trees. Oh, we got these things. And people will be like, well, I like that. Some people will come in and go, I don't like that at all. I don't like the way he looked. I don't think he's, he speaks well. I don't think about any of that. This place is, is worth anything. And so they're not going to receive anything. They're going to turn right around. They're going to walk out the door. And the problem is, is I have no problem if somebody comes in and sees me and goes, hey, I just don't want to receive anything from you. That's fine. But the thing is, is that you probably won't receive anything from anyone. And see, that's a heart condition. That's not a dusty, just looks too ugly to listen to it. Which may be the case. I mean, I don't know. I might need to start trying to get this to look better. But at the end of the day, we all have to, we all have to say, I'm going to receive from people that I believe in, that I trust. And yes, don't go and just find the next goober and say, I'm going to trust you. But if somebody is putting into your life, you need to say, I'm going to start trying to put into their life. I'm going to start trying to have communion with them. This right here is that when we have this dominion forever and ever, with Jesus, that means that we have seen that we see that we, our authority and other people's authority means something. See, that word dominion is the same one that was given to Adam. And you have something to say into my life and I have something to say into your life. Amen. All right. What is the suffering of the brother and sister? It's cares and worry. We constantly have that. 
And I know I'm getting close. So I want to hit this real quick. What does Jesus say about worry? Everybody knows about this one. All right, Matthew 6, 25. I'm going to hit this real quick. Therefore, I say, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, nor about your body or what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they are neither they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet the heavenly Father feeds them. And you are of more value than they are. It means God's going to supply your needs according to His riches and glory. Amen. Philippians 4.19. I want you to understand, Philippians 4, it's awesome. We're about to see uh, that here in just a second. But... It says right here in verse 29, it says, And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. It means you of little trust. You know, we start thinking about God, we can't see what he's going to do. So I just don't trust he's going to do anything. No. Knowing that he is doing all this stuff for the birds of the air. The birds don't care. They know there's going to be food somewhere. There's going to be a place where I can go lay my head. There's going to be all of this stuff. The grass doesn't care whether or not God's going to provide for it. It keeps growing. You know why? Because it doesn't have the ability to trust. But you know what? A lot of times we stop. Well, I just don't think God's going to do anything. Well, you know what? If you don't think God's not going to do anything, then you won't move when God tells you to move. You won't go when God tells you to go. And you won't be the person that is going to step out when you need to step out. And it says right here in verse um, 31, it says, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall I eat? Or what shall I drink? Or what shall I wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you will need all these things. Verse 33 is pretty awesome. I use this one for a lot. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So I want you to understand, before I go to the doctor, I seek first the kingdom of God. You know why? Because I've been to plenty of doctors that say, well, you know what, I'll just give you medicine. I'll just give it to you until, I mean, do you know that there are, we're the most over-medicated society ever. You know, we had these, these elder people that were here, Robert, the Williams and all them. They had so much medicine that they couldn't take it all. You know that in our society, medicine doesn't, doesn't keep us alive. If your body does not heal, then I'm sorry, there's no medicine to help you. Now, can medicine help? Sure. But I seek first the kingdom of God, and if I don't feel like I need to, to have the doctor do something, I don't do it. I had this thing that was happening with me, and I, I, went, to, I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something that will, you'll have to take the rest of your life, and you'll have to deal with it the rest of your life. And I said, before you do that, let me go home. I'm going to pray about it. And I went home and I prayed about it and I talked with my wife and I, and I just started thinking about it. And the Lord told me, don't do it. Well, I haven't done it. And you know, what's funny about this is that 
I went back and had it checked over and over again for the last few years, and it didn't change. And I'm still perfectly fine. And I guess the, doc- and the doctor said, well, I guess maybe just for you, that's just normal for you. And I was like, well, but you were going to give me all these medicines that I was going to take the rest of my life. And if I didn't take them, he said, well, you know, if you don't take these medicines, you know, we can't just wean you off of it. it. It will cause you problems if you don't take the medicine. You need to start seeking first the kingdom of God if any doctor talks to you about like that. Amen? And it says right here in verse 34, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. You know what? How many people, how many people, and you can not show hands, but I want you to think about this. How many people, even this morning, was like, there's something I got to do tomorrow that I got to get done. And it, all the way here, have you ever been driving and you were thinking about something, and you don't even realize how you got home. I've been sitting in the part and like sitting there going, "What just happened? I don't even know how I got here." It was like, "Oh my gosh, did did I wreck? Did I have a pro-? no? These are this is the thing. Jesus is telling us here: Don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow's going to have its own worries. You know what? Get to the house." <laughs> Worry about getting there. <coughs> if, if you've been on I-65, you need to get home. Don't worry about the things tomorrow. Because sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Those are the things that we've got to deal with in front of us. God will give us plenty of opportunities to remedy those things tomorrow. And this is how we do it, guys. i got two minutes. We're going to get it done. But this is how we do it. In Philippians chapter 4, if you don't just love Philippians chapter 4, in fact, my favorite verse is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. It's been my favorite verse for the last 26, 27 years of my life, and it continues to speak into my life every single day. But right before this, in Philippians 4.6, which is just awesome, I love that this all got put in the same thing because my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory is Philippians 4.19. It means all in one thing, I can have my peace. I can know that I can do all things and I know he's going to supply my need all in one set of verses. Isn't that a great thing? This was like the compact verse of where I go to all the time. It's like, cause I always need peace. I always know I can do it. And I always know that I need to be, that he's going to supply my need. And it says here in 4.6 of Philippians, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. This is not just the turkey part of it, but we actually give thanks to God. when, Even when it hasn't happened, it says, Let, us, let your request be made known to God. It means it hadn't happened. It means I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to give thanks about it. And I'm going to act and understand as if though it's already happened. I'm praying to God, letting him know that this is it. This is the thing. And it says it here in verse 7, it says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall be in your heart. That is your belief system. That is your core belief. This is the word cardiac. It's where we actually get the, the word for like cardiac. That means the innermost part, your core beliefs. 
These are the things that they could put a gun to your head and you wouldn't deny them. See, God wants to change your heart from I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried to peace, to peace, to peace, to peace. And it says that it will be in your heart, your innermost core part, and your mind, what I think about. It's the things that I see. You know, when I think, I just don't think about words. Maybe y'all do. Maybe y'all have a monochrome, like, you know, mind where it's just a bunch of words that's on a monochrome screen. I see everything. Every time I think about things, every time I go through something, I see it. When I'm trying to get home, I know that the tank farms are just down the road. I see them in my head. When I'm trying to explain something, in fact, imagination is the best thing and the best tool about prayer that you'll ever have. And I'm not going to do this for time's sake, but I want you to think as you're going home today, count all the windows before you get to the house and then see if you're right. Because if you close your eyes and you are able to count your windows, you just walked through your house in your mind and pointed out every single window. And then go and make sure you're okay because you might want to actually know what your house looks like. But the thing is, is that that's the way we think. So you've got to see in your mind peace and goodness and the things. Don't just, well, God, just give me peace. No, no, no. I see peace. I see things happening. And this is where it gets really good, guys. This is the shouting points. And it says, finally, my brethren, whosoever, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit of a secret here. This means exactly, it doesn't, this is not a suggestion. This is a commandment. You know, if I'm sitting here, and how many people have done this? You're sitting there going, Lord, I really need something. All of a sudden, the same worries are just sitting there, just infiltrating your head. I'm just thinking about all the bad things. What did they say to me? And what did I actually say to them? And how did that go down? And I got to remember every little part. But you know what? There's been plenty of times in my life where I've just said, Lord, I want to think on the good things. I know there's good things coming. I know that you have a plan. I know you're going to get me out of this situation, even if I said something stupid. Do you know that there are times and places and people that you're going to make upset? But if we can say, Lord, forgive me, I'm going to make amends, but I'm also going to think about the good things. How about this? How about if you had a parent that's passed away or a child or you have a friend that you no longer see or a spouse? You know, as I was talking to the Williams this week, I used these exact same verses and I told them to sit around and talk to each other about the good things that Robert did. You know that if you sit around and talk about the good things, you won't sit there and worry and be upset and mourn continuously about them being gone because they're living right here and right here. And it says in verse 9, it says, 
those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Everybody head bowed and eye closed. I know this is speaking to people because the Holy Spirit said that there are people dealing with things and it's a constant just nagging in their soul that their mind, their will, and their emotions cannot let some things go. And the Holy Spirit is saying right now that if you hold on to something, you can't grab a hold of something. If you can't let go with both hands, you can't grab a hold of what's good coming. That you can't learn and receive and hear what has been seen in your mind, in your will, in your emotions. And God says, just give it up today. Just, in first, just like with 1 Peter chapter 5, just submit yourself unto God. Submit yourself unto the people that are around you. Get help if you need to, but do not allow this to control your mind anymore. Do not allow your emotions to be overtaken. Don't let your will take you in a place that you can't go. Because God Himself has sent Jesus to give you these good things, to give you these gifts. And He took them all on the cross. He took your shame. He took your pain. He took all the things. And God Himself is going to replace. No, no, no. I, I just heard it. I just heard what the Holy Spirit said. God says, I will renew those things which have been lost. You need to receive this this morning. You need to cast your cares upon the Lord for He loves you. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. We just thank you that in everybody's hearts and minds today that they are releasing those things which are just holding them down from a worry perspective, that the cares of this life, that the cares of their loved ones, the cares of all the people that they may have lost or the things that they have done that they don't see that that is coming back to them. But Father, you are renewing and making a new design right now in their lives. It is going to be better than what it was before. It's going to be better than what was taken for them. It's going to be better than all the things that they could even imagine or think. And Father, I just pray over each and every person that they are receiving this right now that is broken. That Satan does not have a hold upon them anymore. Father, just the love of the Holy Spirit. Just shed the love of God out in their hearts and their minds right now. Father, I just pray over each and every person that they go forth this week, that they have a great week, and that they think about the things that are good and the things that are honest and just. Whatsoever things are are holy and good, and I just pray that they start propagating that not only into their lives, but into the people that are around them. That when somebody says something negative, that they come back with a positive and they say, this is what I see. This is what I remember. This is what I know. 
That I don't have to live in the life where I'm holding on to my worries and my hurts, but that I can move forward and that I can take on the goodness of God. And I think you that's going to revolutionize their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm dismissing everybody, but if you have prayer, if you want me to get in agreement with you about something, I'm going to be down here at the front. But I want each and every person as you're going, this is a homework assignment. I love homework assignments. I want you to go home. I want you to, as you're going to lunch today, as you're talking with people, I want you to think about the things that are good. I want you to take those things and I want you to remember them. You may say, well, I've lost, I've lost a relationship or I've lost somebody. Well, you know what? You can start seeing that relationship come back to pass. Dusty, I don't know if I can. Let other people help you. Let other people help you. Let other people paint a tapestry in your own mind about what your future is going to look like with the people and with the things and with the jobs and with all of that. Because if you've got people building you up and you've got people that are showing you and they're painting that picture, man, you are going to go far. And God will do the rest. I am going to tell this. There was a man, he was having a problem with his daughter. And um, one night we were were at a a cybersecurity conference and all of a sudden he just breaks down in the car and just says, I've lost my relationship with my daughter. There is no way I'm going to regain it. And I was sitting there talking to him and, and all of a sudden the Lord says, well, let's get an agreement right now that it is going to come back. It's coming to pass that these things are going to happen. And guess what? He said, I believe it. Man, when you start saying, I believe it, things start changing. So we got an agreement and I said, in the name of Jesus, there is a change in her heart and they are going to come back together in Jesus' name. We left each other. We went, we went to our separate ways. The next day, he comes walking up. He said, I I didn't even get in my room. Didn't even get in my hotel room. And my daughter calls me and says, Dad, I want to start talking to you. I'm angry at you. And I said, what would you say? And he goes, at first I was like, what do you have to be angry at me about? And I thought, that's wrong. Don't do that. But you know that they got back together. They started having relationship and now he's got a grandchild and it, it's just a great I talk to him all the time about his grandkids about his about his daughter and about all the things that are going on and it is amazing you know God can take one little thing and he can expand it it's like we talked about two weeks ago it was Isaiah 54 where it says expand your mind expand your tents Take your tent stakes and move them out because there's more that God wants to show you. There's more areas of your life that He's going to broaden. And He wants good things for you. Amen? Amen. Well, you guys are dismissed. Thank you for coming.